This week, the FishCast goes into the legacy of FSU football head coach Bobby Bowden. Coach Bowden will be remembered as one of the greatest head coaches in our lifetime. Coach Bowden passed away at the age of 91. While it will be missed, Coach Bowden will be remembered by anyone that followed college football the past 30 years. In part two of the podcast, we will go over the commitments of Jalen Glover, who committed to the University of Utah, and Leighton Nelson to the UCF Golden Knights. Good evening, and uh, welcome to the FishCast. My name is Corey Long. I am your host. Joined, as always, by the uh, Director of Recruiting and Evaluations and the CEO of uh, Elite Scouting Service and the leader, the, the head of this rudderless ship at times, uh, Charles Fishbein. How you doing, Fish? Doing good. And, of course, we're also joined by Coach Demo, Chris Demarest. How you doing, Coach Demo? Coach Long, doing good. Thank you. Excellent, excellent. Um, special edition of the fish cast we're gonna we're gonna have a little bit of recruiting we're getting we're gonna get into later but this uh this podcast is going to be devoted to the memory of uh and our, our remembrances of uh coach bobby bowden the uh, longtime florida state coach uh without question one of the best to ever do it uh, officially 377 victories although i think it should be 389 victories but we'll that's another story for another day uh, he passed away at the age of 91 after a short bout with cancer and, and uh, recently had the coronavirus. Uh, but, I mean, where do you start? We're talking, you know, 14 years of having Florida State in your top five, two national championships. Uh, like we said, you know, over 375 wins. Uh, just one of the most decorated of a kind. I think when you when you look at when you look at Bobby Bowden and you look at today's coaching landscape, I don't know if we'll ever see a coach like that that spends that much time at a program that has that level of success that's sustained for so long. And um, you know, we all have different memories of him. I have a he was my first big interview really in um in my line in my line of work. Uh, I was covering the Kathleen. He was speaking at the Kathleen High School. 1996 a football banquet he had recruited carver donaldson who's a tight end that that played at fsu for four years and he was also trying to recruit freddie mitchell and they asked him to speak at the banquet and this came down a couple of days after steve spur had accused the fsu defense of hitting danny werfel late and made a big big controversy out of it i mean it was it was more about spurrier sending a message to his own team i think than you know, any real, real hard, hard feelings. But, you know, we talked about that. I just remember being very nice and having a great handshake and a smile. And he, he I remember him leaving. He left in a, in a Mercedes Benz that was taken around and just waved goodbye to me as me and uh, Mike Cobb, my, uh, who was, was working at the Ledger. I was working at the Tampa Tribune at the time as we walked out. And I was there for his final game. I was at the uh, Gator, Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. And I remember that press conference. I, my favorite part is Bill Stewart, who was um, West Virginia's coach, and they, Florida State had beaten West Virginia, and he comes in, and you know we're we're all being nice, and asking those typical what happened. You know, he got up to a quick start, what, and then after about a couple of minutes, he goes, 
you guys aren't here to talk to me. I know this, okay? <laughs> let's just end this right now, and let's get to why everybody came here. And, uh, you know, Coach spent about 45 minutes in there, and then I just I, – I vividly remember, you know, Ann Bowden coming in and they kind of, you know, kind of giving him a kiss on the cheek. And he looked at her and said, you good? And he said – she said, I'm good. And she looks at him and says, I think it's time for us to go now. And he said goodbye and left. And, you know, it was just – a charming, just a charming guy. Every time you saw him, he just wins, losses, whatever. He just had this amazing, charming way about him. And I can only imagine what recruits and the people that recruited and the families that he visited thought of thought of him because he just, I mean, he had this wonderful aura and this wonderful personality. Um, Coach, you, you were part, you were GA at FSU in the late 90s, part of the uh, – 1999 national championship group. And then you went off a course with coach Amato, who was a linebackers coach and went to NC state. And yeah, you had a chance to be on the front lines with him. Uh, you know what? I mean, when he was, I know a lot of times he set up in that tower, he was up in that tower at that point, but really what did you get out of your time with coach Bowden? Well, I appreciate that Corey. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. Um, I think Tallahassee was perfect fit for Coach Bowden, and Coach Bowden was the perfect fit for Tallahassee. I mean, he's originally from the South, Alabama, and I was fortunate enough to be a part of the 1999 National Championship team. <clears throat> but I really remember um, going down to interview for the job, and um, the first person I met was Coach Mickey Andrews, and Mickey said to me throughout the day, hey, why don't you stay at my place? I said, okay, Coach. So I stayed over his house. His wife was away uh, that weekend. And the first thing I remember going to Coach Andrews' house was the Frank Bortles Award trophy awarded to the top assistant football coach in the country. And he had won it that year. And I saw it next to his fireplace. And I was in awe. I said, I can't believe this. So the next day, I go into the office with Coach Andrews. And I'm going to interview with Coach Bowden. And he wasn't quite ready for me yet. So I was sitting down the end of the hall. And I believe Miss Sue came down and said, Coach Bowden will see you now. And, you know, I had been around a lot of movie stars, entertainers, politicians, pro athletes, but nobody awed me like I was about to be awed. Uh, so when I walked down the hallway and went into his office, he greeted me and I just, I didn't know what to say. I was in awe. I said, there he is, Coach Bobby Bowden. Sit down, buddy, he says. Um, he goes, hey, you know, the job's yours. As long as Mickey wants you, I want you. So he said, everything's good and I hope to see you. You got any questions for me? I said, no, Coach, I'm good to go. He said, okay, well, I'll see you soon. And that was it. And, uh, you know, Coach Andrews put the rubber stamp on it. And then, fortunately, I was down there. But I was in awe of meeting him. I, I didn't even know. Sitting in his office, just me and him. What an experience. <clears throat> Second thing I like to say is every year, Coach Bowden had a thing he called the hideaway. And the hideaway was something that <clears throat> happened about a week before the athletes uh, reported to camp, the football players. And all the coaches would sit around a U-shaped table. And Coach Bowden was at the end. And little by little, we would bring people in to speak about academics, tickets, training, whatever. The strength coach, they all come in and talk to you. And you would have your chance to ask questions. Well, I remember that was really one of the first meetings I was going to have. So I got up at like 5 in the morning. I said, I'm going to be the first one there. 100%, I'm going to be the first one there. So I'm coming down the road. I stop at McDonald's right near the old Publix. I jump out of the car. I run in to get a cup of coffee and a, and a muffin or whatever. I was going to get a, 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 whatever they call it, McMuffin. I come out to the car. I lock my keys in the car. 
I couldn't believe it. And back then there was no cell phones. There was nothing. So I had to jog back inside and ask the people at McDonald's to call somebody, uh, a locksmith to open my car. So I was shocked. It was so early in the morning. The guy answered the phone and he says, what do you need, buddy? I said, hey, I, I locked my keys in my car. Can you send somebody out here to, to help me with it? He said, it's going to be about a half hour. I said, a half hour? Oh, man. So I said, okay. So I went out to wait by my car for the guy to come. And I started getting impatient. And I seen a rock next to my car. It was a rock. looked like a brick. So I picked it up. And I'm saying to myself, I'm not going to be late to this meeting. I want to be early like I want it to be. And I'm going to be there waiting on everybody coming in. I'm going to break the back window of my car and get in my car and go to this meeting. So I can be there. I never forget this. It's a true story. I picked the rock up. I was just about to hit the car, and the guy come pulling in the parking lot. Hey, buddy, you looking for a locksmith? You the one looking for a locksmith? I said yes. And so, needless to say, the guy opened the car. I got down there to the meeting. I wasn't late, but it wasn't planned like I wanted to, to be. You know, in there waiting on everybody. But that's just the kind of awe and respect I had for Coach Bowden to make sure I was going to break the window in my car to make sure I wasn't going to be late to that meeting. And then the third thing I wanted to say, which brings out a little bit of humor, Coach Bowden, is during our staff meetings, we would, he would always, he wouldn't want to be in there long. He would always come in there prepared. He'd have some notes from the practice before. But each coach had an off-the-field responsibility. You know, one was the locker room, one was uh, the dorms, et cetera, et cetera. So one day, we're sitting in this meeting, and JG, Jim Gladden, was in charge of the locker room. So it was either after a practice or, or a game, he did his lap through the locker room, make sure it was like it was supposed to be. And he walked past the showers and a few of the players were in there peeing. So he got really upset. It set, it set uh, Coach Gladden off. So he was going to take care of it the next day in the staff meeting. So we're in a staff meeting and he comes up there. Does anybody have anything Coach Bowden says? And Coach Gladden says, yeah, I got something. He goes, Coach, I'm really upset. He goes, I was down in the locker room walking by the showers. And a couple of the players were, were peeing in the shower. And, you know, that really upset Coach JG. And I think he was waiting for Coach Bowden to say, well, you give me those names, we'll write them down, and we'll make sure they run after practice. But that wasn't a response that he got. Coach Bowden says, Jim, have you ever been in a shower before with that hot, warm water hitting the back of your neck and running down your back? Jim, sometimes you just got to go. <laughs> and it was hilarious. He said, he said Jim, you got to let it go. But, but I'm sure they addressed it at some point. But. Man, that was Coach Bowden, man. I, I had such a chuckle inside of me because I thought he was going to really get after those kids. And really, and he just said, hey, listen, man, this is what it's all about. Those are some vivid memories. I have hundreds and hundreds of stories about Coach and being around Coach and some of the greatest things I ever seen or heard or what have you. But uh, those are just some early on stories that I had. And like you said, Corey, he was back in the late, um, the late, uh, uh, late, eight, late 90s, excuse me. And I was part of that, uh, that national championship game of 99, which was fantastic. Well, I mean, that's a, those are some great stories, Demo. Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the opportunity to know him as well as you did because you know, being on the coaching staff, and I really started um, going up there towards the end of Bowden's, um, you know, career at Florida State. I did go up to a summer camp. I had one experience with him where I went up to a summer camp, and I parked, uh, you know, at the right in front of the football facilities. And when I got out, there was Coach Bowden getting out of his car and I was with a top rated recruit and he was, he, he said hello and he had no idea who I was with at the time. And uh, you know, me and him walk into the building. And then later that day, 
Bowden had realized, you know, that I was with one of the top recruits in the country. And he was like, you know, he was, he, his charm kicked in and everything. But um, I mean, he was always pol polite and very nice to me. Like I said, I didn't get the opportunity to spend with him as much as I did with some of the other coaches like Odell, John Lilly, and some of the coaches that you had worked with. Uh, but it was a great experience. I, you know, my, my experience with Florida State and what he did is, you know, my experience is, you know, I first game I ever went to college or pro, I always remember in 1980, my grandfather took me to the Orange Bowl game and they played Oklahoma uh, in the Orange Bowl and, and, and Bobby had turned their program into uh, what it was to it is today. And, you know, I wasn't really into football, but because of that game, I kind of became a Florida State fan and started to follow them and enjoyed the type of football that he uh, produced. And, and what's crazy is, uh, you know, the game that I went to, I found out later on, once I got married to my wife, that she was at the same game at the same time as I was. And it's crazy to think like 20, you know, 30, 40 years later that the person you're with was at the same game. But that's, those are, I, I wish I had more stories to tell because, you know, he was a phenomenal coach and what he did to Florida State, he put them on the map and, and changed the style of football that they played in the state of Florida. I mean, just, you know, it wasn't just about ground and pound and three yards of, and a cloud of dust like Ohio State. What's crazy is when you look now, you know, that now that Coach Bowden has passed, um, it's, it's the last of that era. I mean, you know, you had uh, Howard pass away recently. Uh, you know, you have Lavelle Edwards. The only one really left in that group is Tom Osborne, and uh, hopefully he, he lives uh, uh, some more years. But it I don't think you can match what those guys did and what Coach Bowden did. I don't think it will ever be duplicated. The top 14, top five finishes 14 years in a row. I mean, Saban's kind of duplicated it. But Bowden changed college football. He changed Florida State. He made it a destination school for a lot of recruits, not only in the state of Florida, but nationally. And he made it a, a national brand. And if it wasn't for him, I don't think Florida State would be where it is right now. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right, Fish. And, you know, there's a couple things that I want to say is that, you know, Coach Bowden called everybody buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. So when I got there, they said, you know, Coach Bowden really doesn't know who you are until he says your name. So it, for the first year it was, hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. And I was, hey, coach. So then one day I'm sitting up in the football office. It was a recruiting weekend and I was doing something and up the elevator, he comes with his son, Terry. He gets off the elevator and he looks over and goes, Hey, Demo. I said, Holy smokes. I almost fall off the chair. I couldn't believe he said my name. He said, Hey, Hey, Terry, that guy going to be a good one right there. He's going to be a good one. All right, Demo. So, I mean, for him to say the name like that, it, it was absolutely phenomenal because I was waiting for that to happen. And when it did, I was elated. And it was uh, the sec going on the second year I was there. Yeah, that's a, uh... Yeah, that was a. I was buddy, you know. I got I got the buddy treatment a couple of times. I, I didn't expect him to know my name, and I would have never expected it given all the people he dealt with from day to day. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, we can talk about him a lot. Talk about him off the field, on the uh, the on field. You know, Florida State football. Just it. I remember. I mean, I moved here right about ninety, and I think my first real experience with Florida State uh, football because didn't get a lot in New York City. Got a lot of Boston College and Syracuse. You know the deal, Demo. You were 
you were up that way. You know, you know what we got to see. I mean, if we got to see a Southern team, it was like Nebraska, Oklahoma. You were psyched that you got to see one of those two. And then you had these Southern teams during the bowl times and, you know, a little bit of Miami because of any testimony was from Long Island. So we got to see a lot of those hurricane games. But um, I think my first real experience was the 1990 Fiesta Bowl. When they played, it was the second time they had played Nebraska. And I mean, it was Dexter Carter, it was Peter Tom Willis, it was that group, and they just whipped up on them. I remember they just, they just looked, you know, it was shocking because, you know, the Nebraska teams that I grew up with in the 80s, they were so, you know, you're talking Mike Rozier, Irvin Fryer, Turner Gill group, you know, then after that, like, even, even though, you know, Miami was better than Nebraska, better than Oklahoma, I had never seen a team just hang 40 like, you know, like FSU did. That just didn't happen. So I just remember, you know, really being wild by, you know, the, the speed that they had out there, the talent they had out there. And, you know, and to think that his teams would get better than that. I mean, I, I, I still, to this date, believe that those teams that he had between 87 and 90, you know, there's a definite national title team in there that, Either they had a loss to Miami or something, the Auburn or whatever. But, you know, he had national champion. For most of those 14, that 14 year run, I could say maybe there might have been one team in there that I would say wasn't a national caliber, championship caliber team that was still a top five team. You know, that's how good they were. Like, that's how good, that's how, that's how much they were able to keep that train rolling. And it's just, you know, you remember the later years when he's he's like, yeah, we're going through a couple of down stretches, but yeah, look what we're comparing it to. We went 14 years in the top five. Nobody else did that, you know? So, you know, it, it was just, I just remember just this amazing brand of football, this speed, this, this, you know, this dogged determination of the team and how exciting and fun they were to watch. And now, you know, moving to Florida, I was actually going to get to see him every week. That was pretty exciting. You know, you learn so many things when I was there, not just the X's and O's, but so many things I learned about football and uh, just, just how to handle certain things in so many situations would arise. You would always say, hey, we got different problems here at Florida State than they do at other places. And I guess the best way to describe it is he's such a genuine man that you don't want to let him down. When you worked for him or played for him, you just didn't want to let him down because he was so genuine. And I think that's the best way to describe it. You know, I, I think about it and, you know, like Fish said, we lost uh, Howard Schnellenberger who, you know, really got the ball rolling at Miami. And now we've lost, you know, Coach Bowden and it's just, it's, um, it, it was such a different time for coaches. We're so, coaches were so much more open back then. You know, they were so, they, they were, they, they let you in on their secrets. And, and you know, and, 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 and one thing that Bound did is he really, he changed the way, he, he put out the blueprint of how you get a team to become, you know, how do you, how do you get a team to become a national brand? How do you get them? To, to get on the national spotlight. You play a lot of hard games on the road with a lot of teams that did not give, you know, it wasn't this 
it, it's almost hilarious to think that, you know, a couple of years ago, UCF was fighting with Florida and like, oh, we can't, we, we can't give you a game without a, you know, we can't. And the idea is I'm thinking like, you know how many teams owe Florida State a home game from the 80s and 90s? Michigan still owes Florida State a home game. Nebraska still owes Florida State a home game. You know, so many of these schools, they just, you know, God knows how many home games LSU and, or- and Auburn own FSU. Oh, FSU. I mean, like South Carolina. They just went up there and they played these games on the road. It was, an, you know, we'll play anybody anywhere. And it was an opportunity to get, you know, as the, as the TV contracts were changing, it was an opportunity for them to get, he realized that your best recruiting is TV. And the only way you're going to get on TV is by playing top opponents. And if we got to go to their house to do it, so be it. Yeah. You know, Corey, I got coached when he was 68 and he wasn't at the end of his career, but he sure wasn't at the beginning of it either. And I, I just remember him being so real. And when he would speak to the team or to anybody, he was so real and he would take your advice. He would absolutely take your advice. I remember in the locker room at halftime, he'd ask the coaches around the room, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And then he would write it down and he would go report it to the players, you know, before we go back on the field for the second half. But those things just vividly in my mind about how he was so sure of himself, but willing to take advice from other people. And that was, it was, he was just a real guy. Uh, you know, Fish, you're the, you're the recruiter. You know, you're the guy that we, we talk with about the recruiting and the different things. Um, we, we see it now with Alabama. We see it now with Ohio State. And, you know, recruiting wasn't covered back then like it is now. But when you think about the idea, you know, 14 years, top five and all the I, when you start to look at those old classes, go through those old newspapers and see how they were recruiting, is it you know, how remarkable is it to see just the waves of talent he had coming in every year and not recruiting too much outside of, you know, you did Florida, you did Georgia, you did some kids along the Gulf Coast, but it was mostly a Florida group. I mean, you, you go look at the history of the success he had at Florida State. Peter Wark uh, was from Florida, of course, but Wark Dunn was from Louisiana. Uh, you had Jamal Reynolds. He, he attacked like four or five states, South Carolina, Georgia, Louisiana, um, you know, Alabama, Mississippi, that Gulf Coast region. He really attacked those areas. I mean, they, they would recruit sometimes outside the area a little bit. Uh, and as they got more and more popular, you know, they, they would go after a Travis uh, Johnson or they would go after some kids outside their area. But they mainly focused on about four or five areas and they did very well. And, and you go look at some of the names of those players, Jamal Reynolds, we, you know, we talked about a work done. Uh, you have, uh, you know, you have, I think Sean Key was, no, Sean Key was from Florida, but you had Chris Hope, who was from outside the state, Alex Barron. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, the, the Walter Jones was from Alabama. I mean, can you, you imagine? Fish, they got fish Walter Jones. You, you had Dan Kendra. You Dan had Kendra. Dave, from, from Pennsylvania. You had yeah. David Warren from Texas. Yeah. A, a lot, you know. Yeah, they, they became a national brand, and, and he took, like I said, he took Florida State to a different level. When you go look from the time they won in 93 to about 99, 2000, it's, it's a run that will be – it's unprecedented. They, they, they played anybody. They, would, they had a great record. I think um, 
you know, I don't even know if Spurrier ever won a game in Tallahassee and he had great teams that came into Tallahassee. I think his closest game was the tie. Um, you know, you just, he, he, he had a winning record against pretty much everybody, you know, and yeah, he had his downturns against Miami at times, but from 93 to 99, uh, he took, he, he had a nice run against Miami. He won a lot of games against them. I, he was a special coach and, and, like I said, he will not be duplicated. I, I think that, you know, they've, that's the one thing is I think Florida state has been very fortunate to have somebody as special as he was, because it's just, it's so hard to come by. I mean, I think Alabama fans are going to kind of get the same thing. Once coach Saban retires, you just don't replace these type of coaches. They're legendary for a reason. They it's he's, he's probably on the Mount Rushmore of coaches. He's unbelievable. And, and Florida state fans are going to miss him. So. Yeah, I, I, I never lost to Florida, and I never lost to Miami when I was there. We won a state championship. They put such a preface on winning that state championship that those years I was there, I didn't know what it was like to lose to Miami or, or Florida because we beat them. Do I mean, does any coach out there today, when you look at them, you know, they kind of embody what you thought about. And I'm not just talking about the success on the field, but – just their overall way of carrying themselves, their overall way of, you know, of, of, of their overall way of presenting themselves to the public. Does anybody out there remind you a little bit of them that's, you know, coaching in college football today? You know, I think there's coaches that have pieces of them, but not the totality. It, it, it's not even close. I mean, there's other coaches. I can think of a coach Osborne, you know, but coach Bowden had such a way about him, you know, that made him so special that a lot of coaches have bits and pieces of what Coach Bowden has, but not the totality of it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I look, and I, I'm the same way. You know, I look out and I say, okay, you know, I see parts of him and like somebody like Lincoln Riley, who I think is a, you know, a sharp individual, he's a younger guy. And I, I did, obviously, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't around for Bowden's young, young days, but I would assume that, you know, he had, given the energy that he had when I met him, I would assume that he still had a pretty high level of energy, you know, back in those days. So that's somebody, but yeah, it, it's just, you can find the guys that have won. A lot of guys have won, you know, Davos Sweeney's won, Nick Saban's won, Brian Kelly's won, uh, you know, Urban Meyer won, Ryan did, but, you know, you just like, the way that, the way you present yourself in public, the way you, you know, the openness in which he spoke, the honesty, the, you know, you felt like he was just genuine and, and you know, and, and acted with a lot of integrity. And it's just, you, you, I, I hope that there are coaches like that in the future. And it's because it's just, you know, college football has become such, such a, so much more of a dog eat dog world than it was back when he coached. I just don't know if the sport, I don't know if the sport can, can, frankly breed another coach with those with that with those sort of qualities because of the way that college football is now i think you're exactly right Corey. you know i remember at practice sometimes i look for him and i look up in that tower and there he was taking meticulous notes that he would share with the staff the next morning in the staff meeting and one thing i think what we had there was consistency with the staff year after year after year after year. Maybe one or two guys would leave, but the entire staff wouldn't. And I think at the very end, when guys were leaving for other jobs, it kind of affected his success a little bit. 
because he was so used to having the same kind of staff people around him all the time. He could really rely on them. So that had a little to do, do with it. But the consistency of the staff was amazing. But I used to look up in that tower. I go, look at there. He is up there in that tower taking meticulous notes. It's unbelievable. So, you know, we can end this. Uh, I want to ask all of you two questions. Uh, favorite Bowden team and best Bowden team. And they could be the same or they can be different. I know mine are. Mine are different. The fish. What's your favorite, and what's the best one? Um, I, I think the favorite one was probably the. It was nine. What was it? Eighty nine. They they had two losses. I believe they lost to Clemson and they lost to Southern Miss, and uh, they ended up beating Miami. I think they were underdogs in that game, and uh, it was at Duke. And, and Dexter Carter had a great game. I think um, you know the the linebacker. Uh, I think Carruthers had like an all pro day that day. And that was probably one of my favorite teams that, that they had uh, probably then some of the other teams. I mean, the, the best team to watch was the 99 team, of course, because of Peter Wark and what they were able to do. They were so explosive. I, I mean, you remember that game, they jumped all over Virginia tech and then Virginia tech came back. And then all of a sudden Florida state put it in another gear again. And it just, they were like that. They were, they, they could create that big play and, they were the spread, you know, Bobby had basically the spread offenses before anybody else. I mean, the Charlie Ward uh, offense that he had after they lost to Georgia Tech and they implemented, they created a whole new type of uh, dynamic in college football and how to run an offensive scheme. And, and that was probably my favorite team uh, I, or the best team that I remember as a 99 team. Yeah, I, I would say I'm a little biased, too, because I was a member of that team in 99 when we won a national championship, and Peter Work said to Coach Bowden, Coach Bowden, you want me to end this? Coach Bowden said, sure. He goes, give me the ball, and he ended it with that miraculous catch in the back of the end zone. But the other team that I liked was when Dion was there, and he returned that punt against Clemson, and he was telling Danny Ford before the ball was punted, I'm bringing this back to the house, and he did. And that was one of my... Um, you know, one of my favorite uh, Florida State teams because I heard a lot about it because I worked with Odell and Odell had a lot of stories from that era. And of course, Jimmy Calloway was there. It was, it was so many classic people, you know, it was just amazing for me. But that that team there and but of course, the 99 team, there was so many special players on that team. Yeah, uh, my, you know, it's one of my favorite team, I would say, would be it would be the 92 team, the team before the national title team. They, you know, they had the loss to Miami early. But, I, you know, they had, to, they had to come back win against Clemson where, you know, Charlie Ward struggled but had this great fourth quarter. Then the really amazing comeback win in, against Georgia Tech where they were down 21-7. to I think in the final, like, seven minutes of that game and managed to score 22 points and pull it out. And then – they decide, you know, the, the, you know, between Brad Scott and Mark Richt and, and Bow, and they decide, you know, we were doing so well when we go from our pro style to this sort of shotgun spread offense. Why don't we start the game running a shotgun spread offense to see how it works? And I think they played Maryland when they decided to, to debut this, and they put up like 69 points. And that started, and, and that started, and I pretty much kick-started the run that they would have in 1993 for their first title. And I, I never saw a better player in that program than Charlie Ward to this date. I just, I don't believe there's been 
a better player, a more exciting player, a more, you know, a more committed winner than Charlie Ward. It just, you know, it was, you know, I mean, how would he have done in the league? I mean, it was a different time. The NFL was, you know, looking for different things out of quarterbacks, but he was just such an amazing winner and such an amazing leader. And it just, you know, this was a, I think this was a pretty complicated offense that they ran and just the way he had so much control of it and just knew, you know, he, he just, he was a different man from the time in you know, that early season in 92 when, remember he was a punter. He punted. If you go back to their games in 89, he was there in 90. He, I think 90 might've been more. He was a punter. And uh, yeah. So, you know, he goes and plays quarterback and, I just remember when he really got grasp of that offense, how just you, you didn't feel like they could get beat. You know, the, the loss to Notre Dame still shocks me to this date because, you know, happened. And Lou Holtz is a heck of a, was a, heck of a coach himself. But it, it was shocking because it's like you, you just didn't see how that team could lose. But they, they recovered. They went on to win the first title. And, and I think that – I think at the end of the day, that was his best team because I just don't know that there was a player better than Charlie Ward. You know, Corey, in closing, I'm just a kid from Keyport, New Jersey, and uh, went down to Tallahassee and uh, fell in love with Coach Bowden, fell in love with Tallahassee, fell in love with the South, and uh, some of the most memorable times of my life, and I'll never forget it. Oh, I think Fish might be – Fish. I think Fish, Fish is a little caught up. I think he was a little emotional by some of your stories. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll let him do his thing. Uh, and we're gonna we'll we'll, uh, we'll be back. Um, we'll be back with uh, part two of this podcast. We're gonna talk a little bit of recruiting. Uh, we'll be back with more of the fish cast right away. You got it.